Hello, everybody. This is Melanie, and welcome to the Travel Girls Podcast. Wait, Savvy Girls. Okay, this is Melanie, who is clearly very tired, and welcome to the Savvy Girls Podcast. However, today, I suppose it is, in fact, the Travel Girls Podcast, because I am on the road. I am... This is probably the craziest trip I've ever taken. I will tell you all about it in just a moment. But for now, sit back. Just start your travel knitting. Start your travel knitting even if you're not traveling because I brought some and I am and let's do this thing together. Okay. And I say, wait, hey, hey, it's just an ordinary day and we solve your state of mind. At the end of the day, you just got to say it's all right. It is 6.22 in the morning. It's 6.22 in the morning on the morning of March 13th, 2016. And although it is 6.22 in the morning, in reality, it is 5.22 because today is spring forward day. Spring! Hooray! It's spring. We sprung forward. And I'm exhausted. This is probably the worst day this year to lose an hour. But there you have it. I am on an adventure and the adventure is starting on an exhausted note. You can hear my voice. I'm a professional singer. I'm not supposed to sound like a croaky man frog. However, here we go. I am just leaving Fresno. I am being passed by some very sketchy driver right now. Anyway, I am just leaving Fresno. I am getting on the highway in a minute and driving and driving and driving to San Francisco and my adventure begins. So just in case you did not listen to my last podcast, to the last podcast, and you're you're wondering what's going on? Where are you going? Who are you? What is this adventure? I will tell you all in a, probably a very meandering, exhausted fashion because we're on the road for a while. All right. So who am I? I am Melanie, Savvy Girl Melanie. I do this podcast, but I am also a professional singer and actress, and I, yeah, that's how you have to say it, actress, and it's actress for those who, yeah, I'm really tired, so I am a professional singer, I have been hired, well, I was here in Fresno performing my Red Hot Mama Sophie Tucker Cabaret, and I have been hired to sing in a bunch of other places, so, well, two other places, maybe there'll be more, still working on it, so I am on this crazy adventure, and for a lot of people, coming to Fresno to perform is adventure enough. I mean, hey, it's a place I'd never been. I've been four times now. I'm quite as comfortable as one can be with this city. I am very comfortable with this city. However, you know, two weeks in Fresno just wasn't enough. We had to bump it up a notch. So I have been asked to sing in the next couple weeks in both Brunei Dar Salaam. If you've never heard of it, yes, it's a country. And yes, it's really far. And I've also been asked to sing in Sudan. And surely you've heard of Sudan lately in the news. Probably I'm the only singer foolish enough to go to these... Well, probably I am the only singer foolish enough to go to Sudan. But that's neither here nor there because I'm going. And adventure for us all podcast. Oh, hold on. I have to turn on the highway, I think. Alright, so I am going, as I said, to sing in Brunei Dar Salaam, and I'm going to sing in Sudan. 
But both of these places are completely separate on the globe of the world. Well, that's the only globe. On the globe, they are completely separate. They are nowhere near each other. Brunei is in Asia. It is on one of the Malaysian islands, sort of on the tip. Sorry, just to ignore the GPS. She seems to want me to actually get where I'm going without mishap. So, yes, Brunei is on the tip of Malaysia. Where is Sudan? Well, Sudan is in the middle of Africa. Not South Sudan, for those of you who have actually read the news more than I have. Um, but Sudan, Khartoum, to be, to be accurate. So to get to these places, there are not direct flights. In fact, booking a flight was rather difficult. Getting to Brunei is not all that hard. I have to drive to San Francisco. Once I'm in San Francisco at the airport, I need to fly to Korea. I need to switch planes in Korea, fly to... Fly to Singapore. Fly to Singapore. And I'm in Singapore for a couple of days to see Leslie. I was podcasting when he was my roommate. He was a... He is a singer also in New York. Or he was in New York and now he's in Singapore. And we were roommates for... Oh, year, and I haven't really seen him since, so it's going to be really nice. I've only I only saw him once, and maybe twice since. So I'm boarding in Singapore with Leslie. Then I am boarding another flight, quick flight to Brunei Darussalam. I'll be there for five days, I think. Then I board another flight, a quick flight to Bangkok. I have 13 glorious hours in Bangkok, and I'm not going to say what what would a girl do for. With, 13 glorious hours in Bangkok because some people actually would make very different use of those hours. However, I will have adventures. Surely I am going to go into the city and see what happens. And then I board a long, long flight to Ethiopia. Yes, I'm going to Ethiopia, people. I, I'm not there for long. I'm in the airport for maybe two hours, maybe two and a half hours. And then I board another flight to Sudan. Five days in Sudan, board another flight to Ethiopia again and then that flight transfers to Paris where I'll be staying for a little bit. I have not worked out where I'm staying, how I'm getting home or any of that part of the trip yet. I was going to and I got busy and now is now. <sighs> we all know that things go horribly wrong when I travel. Anyone who's listened to these podcasts knows that everything basically always works out in the end. But let's see, last time I traveled overseas, well that was Edinburgh. That wasn't so bad actually. That, that worked out okay. But the time before that, when I went to sing in Prague and my passport expired two months later, but the deal was the passport had to expire three months later or they don't let you in. And they were going to send me back to England because their passport rules were A, the ones I looked up and B, different. So that was awkward. And there was actually diplomatic intervention on my behalf because luckily I was, I was singing for the Canadian government. So they worked things out and luckily I did not have to be sent back in shame to England and miss the gig I was there to sing and my friend's wedding, which I was there to see. So that, that happened. I have lost passports. I have, oh gosh, I've missed flights. I've gotten rerouted. I just, if anything can go wrong, it often will. And the thing is, everything always works out in the end. But there are, there are just too many possibilities of things going awry, or at least somewhat awry on this trip. And it will be miracle of miracles if somehow things don't. So I wish I weren't so tired because I'm trying to 
figure out what's gonna go wrong first. So today, maybe today will be easy, I don't know. I'm going to the airport. I'm actually secret shopping a couple stores in the airport just to make some cash. I don't actually get to buy anything, but I have to go in and talk about their product and see how they react and then quickly, before I board the plane, write up a report, two reports, because I'm doing two stores. So write up two reports and send them in and gain money. And yeah, I well, let's see. My first issue could be the fact that I am hoping doing this whole trip with carry-on. And yesterday I panicked because it's something like 46 degrees in Khartoum and people wear long sleeves and long skirts. So luckily one of our listeners, I had two skirts. I had a skirt I borrowed from Savvy Mom and I had this really ugly skirt I bought at the thrift store. And one of our listeners, I was having lunch with her the other day and she said, hey, I have a skirt, take my skirt. So now I have three skirts. She was kind enough to bring it over and drop it off. And it's probably a lot more appropriate as far as packing weight and lightweightness as the bouncy skirts, bouncy but long skirts that I, I brought. However, I have all these skirts. I'm gonna see how far I can get them because I can always leave one or two of them in Khartoum if I have to. But I figure, might as, for people that probably need clothes, it can't hurt to try to get these skirts to the place where they were meant to be worn. And I panicked because 46 degrees, oh, for you Americans, it's not cold. We're not talking cold. We are talking 100, oh gosh, I don't even know, 111, 112 degrees. It's super hot there. And although I do not sweat because I am a lady, yeah, come on. I need it. I thought, what? I only have two long sleeve shirts. What if they get disgusting? What am I going to do? And so in a panic, I went to Target. They had long sleeve shirts on clearance, lightweight cotton, exactly what I needed. Bought three shirts and then also bought a tank top and a bathing suit. Oops. And earphones. So there went all my money, but all of the shirts were $3 and the tank top was $2. Yeah. I needed a bathing suit because there might be a chance to swim in this covered up country who knows but anyway so I have rather more things than I thought I would have and then oh I got a couple books from the thrift store the other day so I have three books I know tablet it takes up less space but when I travel I want to hold I want to hold me a book and also Sabrina from Anzula Yarns was kind enough to give me two lovely skeins of yarn to knit with on my trip and so they're big they're big skeins and I'm really I'm really excited to have something to do on those long flights. And this beautiful, it's always, as always, if you've never did it with Anzula, it is beautiful yarn. But they take up a lot of room. All of this, I was, every time I squeezed the toothpaste tube, it felt like a triumph because there was a little less toothpaste in there to weigh me down. And now I'm being weighed down like crazy with everything. So it could be the luggage, it could be the transfer in Korea because there's just an hour. And it could be the traffic on the way to the airport. So if all, if none of that goes wrong, it'll be a good day. It isn't easy building something out of nothing, especially when the road ahead's a rocky one. But if we gather all our courage and conviction And hold our dream up high, the challenge will be won So here I am, about to board my flight to Singapore via Korea. I've never been to Asia before. I think I mentioned that. And whenever anybody said, oh, have you been to Asia? My answer has always been, I have no interest in going to Asia. 
but that was really just a defensive answer because, you know, you don't want to lose and travel. You want to win and have gone everywhere. So I now am admitting that, yes, I very much have wanted to go to Asia. I was very much interested in going to Asia, and now I'm going to Asia. All right, so drama thus far. It's one something in the afternoon. I did end up checking a bag. Unfortunately, it's a new bag and I quite like it. So hopefully it'll be all right. But I just, I had 20,000 layers of clothing on and I was feeling hot and sweaty already. And I don't sweat. I'm a lady, but feeling, feeling sweaty, different than actually sweating. And I thought of carrying that bag. I already had twinged my back, carrying it into the terminal. It's a duffel. And I I thought, you know what? I don't want to deal with this. I'm just going to check it. And so I did. And Yep, here I am, and I guess there isn't much to say just yet, but I'm here. I did the secret shopping I was supposed to do. Actually, I could only do one of the two places because they were in separate terminals, it turns out. But I did what I was supposed to do and caught up on email and called to savvy mom, and yeah, here we go. All right. So now we look around us and we see a nation built with love by you and me A land to treasure right down to the core Our home, our heart, our Singapore Singapore. Here I am in Singapore with Leslie. Leslie, I don't know if you've been on the podcast before, but I was living with you when this whole crazy thing started. I know, I remember that. We were living together in New York, and now I'm in Singapore hanging in Leslie's flat. Isn't that crazy? I know, I haven't seen you in, I don't know, how many years? Far too many. Far too many, that's right. So Leslie and I, for the sake of the podcast, instead of doing Singaporean things like going to the botanical gardens... We went in search of a yarn store yesterday. Yes, we did. How did it go? Well, it took a while for us to try to figure out where it was, and it still wasn't there after we got to the building, so I guess it must have moved. I guess it was called Leaping Yarns, and it was gone. We were we were trying. We tried. We did it for you. Right. So we, instead, yeah. we found a, a store with yarn. Well, we did. Well, we found a $2 Japanese uh, lifestyle store where everything in the store was only $2. And guess what Melanie found? Everything? Well, everything. Also and also And also a yarn section. And what sort of yarn did you find there? There was the acrylic yarn there, but there was also real wool, which it seemed like decent yarn for t- only $2. Two Singaporean dollars, which is a dollar something American. And did she get any? You wouldn't let me. No, she did not get any because she ended up getting what? Stationery with a duck on it. And stickers. And stickers. And lots of stuff she probably Needed. doesn't quite need. You bought a tambourine, castanets, and two bells. I am a music teacher. These things <laughs> could come in handy. So it's a good, Well, erasers in the shape of desserts also come in handy. That's what she got. <laughs> That's what I got. You also got stickers. I'm just putting it up there. For my kids. As a reward. <laughs> for their music lessons. Oh, See? Alright. Yes. Okay. Leslie is very right. But we also ate ourselves into the ground yesterday. What did we eat? It was a, What did we eat in the morning? Well, actually... Uh, oh, what did we eat in the morning? 
I brought her to uh, these uh, places called hawker centers that we have in Singapore, which is basically like uh, lots of different food stalls that used to be uh, that came from our street food tradition uh, from years ago. And uh, we had a fried carrot cake, which uh, is it's sort a of a, cake. well, it's sort of a radish thing, but it's uh, it's kind of fried, so it's not like carrot cake as the American sort of. Uh, uh, carrot cake. There's no cream cheese on this stuff. Yeah, we had a uh, a, a, a rice cake thing with pickled uh, with like pickled radish on it. Those were so good. And uh, we had sugar cane juice. Yes, and we had yes. sugar cane juice. Yeah, and so Melanie, I, I think, really enjoyed uh, the street food that we tried yesterday. Melanie really enjoyed it, and yes. then we went to the mall and we had toast. So in Singapore, toast is toast, but it's yes. different. It yeah, you put um, kaya, which is a sort of coconut jam, uh, and and butter. And it comes with uh, uh, half-boiled eggs, so they're kind of mushy and squishy. They're, sli- they're slightly under Watery. soft-boiled eggs. Yeah. yeah. And uh, tea, and or coffee, depending on which you prefer. It was so good. We, we sat there and we looked over our many purchases from the $2 lifestyle store. And then she brought us to high tea yes. at the Four Seasons. Yes. So Leslie and I, fancy fancy, went to high tea at the Four Seasons, and I've never had high tea with three tiers of cake before, but we did. And we couldn't finish all the food. We couldn't even finish... Maybe the toast and egg wasn't the best idea. Okay. It was uh, so yeah. good. It was a good idea. Yeah. The sandwiches were really good, though, at the Four Seasons. Uh, the tea was really good. The yes. sandwiches were so good. The desserts, there were just... I didn't think I'd ever say this. There were too many desserts. There were too many desserts. We I had, do it. And I had a tea called Geisha Blossom. And, and after it arrived, I asked Melanie, Hey, Melanie, would you like to smell my Geisha Blossom? I smelled his Geisha Blossom. I know. Did it smell good? It smelled... Heavenly, wasn't it? <laughs> You love yeah. my geisha blossom. Your geisha didn't you? blossom is my ambrosia, right. Leslie. <laughs> and then what did we do after that? I am in a, what was it a food coma? Oh yes, we were in food coma. So instead of doing Singaporean things like going like, to the botanic garden, or going like tw- doing touristy things, <laughs> we ended up going. Well, we had kind of looked at each other at the same time and kind of said, "I think I need a massage now." Exactly, and, and we decided to go for a massage. And we went for massage, not a couple's massage, baby. Although right. I could have smelled your lotus blossom. Wait, geisha what? blossom. <laughs> we both went for Asian fusion massages. Was that the yes. was that the name of the massage we got? They were great. Yep, exactly what I needed yesterday. And how was yours, Melanie? I had first. Thank you for the massage. It was amazing. Oh, um, I paid for her massage. Yes, I owe you a massage, which means I need to come back. So we can get massages together. So you can pay for my massage. Yeah. Or give me one, right? No, not give you one. I'm right. Pay for one. Okay. So I get one too. Yeah. Anyway, um, I got a lecture the entire time. <laughs> that she, was funny. <laughs> yeah. She first, she said I'd be pretty if I weren't so fat. And then do I ever eat salad or vegetables? She asked basically why I don't own any property yet and don't I have the money? And then asked um, basically, can't a relative just die and give me money? And then she um, was shocked that I had no savings at my age. And anyway, it went on. And But you know what? Getting a lecture and a massage, it was worth it. I know. We Asians have uh, somewhat more traditional values when it comes to, you know, preparing for life. So I guess... Oh, you're living with your parents too. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, you know, she... Uh, that was that was where the misogyny was coming from, I guess, in uh, giving her suggestions for life. <laughs> I'm... Also, some Asian people have better metabolisms than perhaps oh, I have. Right, okay. Because <laughs> I do eat maybe too much salad. Okay. Anyway, after that, we 
decided it was time for more food. Well, actually, it was time for more food because the reservation was for seven. Yeah. And so we went to uh, the Marina Bay Sands. The, there's a restaurant right at the top of the Marina Bay Sands Hotel. And uh, architecturally, that building uh, has become quite iconic, actually, uh, internationally. But it's, uh, it's, uh, it looks like a, a boat, uh, a surfboard. A giant uh, boat on top yeah, of a building. On top of like three, actually, three uh, parts of a building. And uh, this restaurant is right up there, and that's where there is actually a swimming pool called the Infinity Pool there too. And uh, so this restaurant up there uh, was where we had dinner. It's called C'est la vie. C'est la vie. C'est la vie. And would you like to tell us about uh, the restaurant? Well, we got to see. We basically overlooked the entire city slash country of Singapore. We got to watch the sunset. Yeah, it was a fifty-seven floor actually of the oh, building. Oh, I thought it was thirty-eight. 57? Fifty-seven. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, it was the 57th floor of the building, and we got to eat some amazing food, and we got to have an amazing view, and everyone yeah. was so solicitous. Yes, and we and had a really good waitress. We had a lovely uh, waitress. Yeah. And it was, we took lots of pictures, which I'll be posting, and it was so much fun. And mm-hmm. after, we were both in another food coma. And then we walked down to uh, the Esplanade, which is the uh, foremost performing art space in Singapore. Where you've sung. Uh, where I've sung, yeah, and uh, so, and we we just sort of walked around a bit, but I think by that time we were kind of beat, and so we decided to just take a bus home and crash for the night. So as a local, what would you suggest if someone's coming to Singapore? What are your suggestions to get the most out of the city and not in a tourist way? Oh, I see. Well, I guess it really depends on how much time you have, but I guess visiting some of the... uh, Rather than doing, I mean, there, there's some good tourist attraction spots like uh, our Singapore Zoo is actually one of the best zoos in the world, and we also have uh, we also have something called the Night Safari, which features more nocturnal animals. So these are these are some of the I guess some of the tourist highlights uh, about Singapore. So there, there there are lots of these things, but for a more local experience, it's always good to you know visit, like I said, some of the housing estates with hawker centers, but you know like areas like Little India or Chinatown. Um, or the Malay village so this this is where you can really just sort of uh, see a little uh, a side a less touristy I mean these are still touristy but I guess you know not uh, not so much a touristy side of Singapore uh, and actually really try some really fantastic local food also and if you're looking for knitting, the Japanese two dollar store is where you. Get yeah, your apparently, dress. since the other yarn store seems to uh, seems not to be, be there at the moment, we did try. We, we did, did try. try, but I think they just renovated recently, and so Google didn't seem to have uh, updated information. And when I called the phone number, it said the number wasn't in use. So we tried. We, we really did tried. Try. People. Yes. Okay, I guess I have to go to the airport now and catch my flight to Brunei, and you have to rehearse because you're in an opera coming up. Yes, I am. Actually, it's a musical. Okay, yeah, right. so. you're in a musical coming up. Yeah, so all right. come to Singapore. If you see Leslie, tell him, hey. Hey. And buy him a massage. And <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll, give you my, I'll give you the contact of that massage lady that I got. She's good. She's good. Yeah. So now we look around us and we see A nation built with love by you and me a land to treasure right down to the core Our home, our heart, our Singapore Our dream, our 
Well, here I am on the subway in Singapore, on the metro train, I'm not sure what it's called, and I am heading to the airport to go to Brunei. Leslie and I just gave a pretty good update of the day. I just wanted to share how much fun that one day in Singapore was. And I, I know I don't know a city after just one day there, but at the same time, it was a pretty darn good introduction. So I admit, I gave in this morning and I bought a suitcase. I just, oh my gosh, it's funny how a duffel goes from being light and breezy to so heavy you can barely lift it in, I don't know, in just a few extra items, which clearly I have. And I do have a few items of clothing I could leave, but it seems foolish to leave it here when I could leave them in Sudan and maybe do some good in the world. So here I am with the extra clothing, which the things I bought at the $2 store and with jet lag <laughs> heading to the airport and yeah. Um, luckily, at the market just outside Leslie's house, I bought a suitcase for 32 Singaporean dollars, which is something like $25 American. And so far, it is actually a lot easier to have a small bag and a big bag than a big, ba- a small bag and a duffel. So I don't have a seat on the train yet. It's going to be about an hour. So I'm really hoping I get a seat soon. For people traveling to Singapore, it is very easy to use the metro here. You pay per distance, so you say where you're starting from, where you're going. It's like in London, I think, and it's very affordable. It's, it's sometimes under a dollar. To get to the airport from one of the furthest points on the metro was two two sixty two dollars two Singapore dollars and sixty cents. So really, very very reasonable. And that's it. I'm going to watch out and hope I get a seat for my suitcase and I at the airport. So yeah, here we go. heard is part of I assume it's the imam calling people to prayer. It's Friday afternoon and everything has closed down here in Brunei because it's mosque time which I wish I had gotten some food before mosque time. However, <laughs> that's alright. Uh, it'll end. It only goes on for an hour or so and after that I'm going to walk and get some food. So here I am in Brunei. Uh, there's a lot to talk about and I will talk about it when I'm on the way to getting food. I just thought I would 
record a little bit of the roosters and the and the imam and all of that and i will talk a little bit more when i'm on my way trekking to the food court more about that soon Hello, everybody. This is Melanie, and I am waiting, eventually, to board my plane to leave Brunei. And I tried to podcast before this, but strangely enough, the machine, well, just my luck, the machine was acting up, and I was having trouble with the microphone, but I turned it on now. It seems to be working. So I would like to talk a little bit about being with frequent interruptions. I would like to talk a little bit about my time in Brunei. So... Brunei. It's made the news a few times in the past couple of years, and it's always been for negative things, such as they're starting Sharia law here. They already have started Sharia law here, such as they banned Christmas last year. I think it fell on the Prophet's birthday. So there have been negative things in the news here, but I have to say I've had a wonderful experience. And, you know, it wouldn't have taken a lot for that wonderful experience to probably have been not a good experience. I mean, I'm very aware that all you have to do is have a few negative interactions and all of a sudden something that was wonderful isn't. But as it happens, I didn't have those negative interactions. And so I had a wonderful time here. It is basically my first time in Asia. The people are wonderful. The people here are mostly, there are, Chinese Bruneans and Malaysian, Malaysian Bruneans, essentially. Or, and everyone is, everyone's just so nice. I mean, so nice. There are not a lot of Westerners here. There are a few, especially with oil and gas. But I definitely stood out. I'd probably stand out right now talking to myself in the airport lounge. But I definitely, definitely stood out here, which... It's not as if I haven't before, but I, I don't think I've ever really felt as visible as I felt then but um, hey it's it's been great everyone's been so nice so what is there to say about Brunei well I was here to sing a concert at Jaradung Park now Jaradung Park is the big amusement park here it was built I believe by the Sultan or perhaps by the Prince and it was the most expensive amusement park in Asia that was about 20 years ago, 22 years ago, and it has rather fallen into ruin since. At first, since it was such an oil-rich country, this amusement park was free for everyone. But unfortunately, without getting any revenue, you can't keep up the park. And the rides have been sold off one after another, and there are very few rides left. And now there is, in fact, an admission fee. But they also have a couple stages and amphitheaters, and the big francophonie celebrations were in the park. And that is where I sang my concert. I also sang at a French cooking event at the French ambassador's residence at the hotel where I was staying. Basically, I feel like I've sung everywhere, at the waterfront, at a pop-up dinner. So it has been a busy week. There's been a, You can tell my voice is tired. There's been a lot of singing. But what's it like to be in Brunei? So first, you may come to a tiny spot in the middle of Asia, but there is no escaping knitting. There is one knitting store called Hoko. I did not manage to go there. We tried, but it was it was hard to get around because there really isn't public transportation. There are a few buses, but they sort of come whenever. And taxis here are really expensive because most of the people drive. It's a very car car-like country. A lot most people own cars. And so I couldn't get to the store unfortunately. I sounded like it had lovely fabrics and 
and knitting. But um, there are knitters. My pianist, Apple, who played for my concert, she told me she had taken knitting lessons at that store and learned to knit. And the French ambassador is also a knitter. So there are definitely knitters here. I haven't seen any knitwear or anybody knitting, but it is about a million degrees here. So that, I suppose, is excusable. The language here is a mix between Malay, Chinese, and English. Um, a lot of things are written in Arabic, but a lot of people don't speak Arabic, which is it's interesting. The mosques start, the prayers at the mosques start at 4, 4.30 a.m., and they broadcast them very loudly. I don't know if this is a, a mosque thing or a Sharia law thing, but it's really loud at 4.30 in the morning, which was a little rough when it came to getting sleep. But in the last couple of days, I've been so tired I didn't even hear it, which, considering how loud it actually is, is, I guess, testament to how exhausted I am. Everyone I met here has been so nice and so welcoming, from the people in the hotel to, honestly, the government censorship committee. I had to go in front of the censorship committee to show them what I was wearing, to show them that it would be modest and it would properly cover me, to show them I could sing in a modest way, and also to present some of the repertoire from the concert so they could approve it, because apparently they don't often sign off on public performances here. Luckily, I passed, and just they, people, they were wonderful. At the end, we were taking selfies together, which, by the way, is a big thing here also. I, again, it could have easily gone the other way, but it, it didn't. So I, I had a little talking. I had a discussion with the head of the censorship committee, and he, to, he basically asked me to go out and, and tell people how, much, how, how incorrect is the vision people get of Brunei through the media. And... He's right. What can I say? I don't know if things are going to change when phase two of Sharia law is implemented in June. There are different phases. But as it stands, yes, it's a country under Islamic religious law. But at the same time, there are religious and non-religious people. And everyone's living pretty well in harmony together, more so than in a lot of other countries. And so hopefully this is not going to change once phase two comes in and phase three. But at the moment, everyone's just sort of ignoring the fact that this is a thing that's happening. And people, I, I think if you, I think there are modesty laws, but a lot of people follow them because they personally want to follow them. And a lot of people don't follow them. And smoking is illegal and there are fines for smoking, but there are fines in a lot of places and people still smoke. Um, alcohol is illegal. A lot of people do bring it in, but it's illegal to do that. But, you know, being in a dry country, it actually, it's not so bad. It's, it's kind of neat going to a reception and being served water. I, it's like being under prohibition, actually. So I was fine with that, although by the end of this week, and I'm not a drinker, I really could have used a drink. <laughs> but um, it's strange because in a lot of ways, this is a modern, oil-rich country, and the people are very highly educated and very nice. But at the same time, they don't have, and this is nice, they don't have a lot of chains. So there's, there's one McDonald's, they're building a second. There are a bunch of Dairy Queens, but I'm kind of okay with them because it's ice cream. There's a Burger King. Um, there's Jollibee, which is a Filipino burger chain. There are quite a few of those. There's Coffee Leaf and Tea Bean, which is another coffee chain you see around the world. But a lot of the stores are just individual proprietor stores, which 
it might be a bit more difficult to try to find something because this, the, they don't have these shiny signs. It all looks a bit shabby. But it's actually kind of nice because that, that's what things were like before globalization of economies. And it's not a bad thing to have people be able to be individual proprietors and start their own business without actually franchising. So clearly I am not the person to talk about A, making money, or B, international businesses. However, I really like that. I thought it was really nice. I'm not sure what else to say. I ended up eating a lot of street food. Street food is cheap, really cheap. And you, they have food courts, so it's not technically a booth in a street. You go to a food court. And it's maybe $4 for an amazing curry and a dollar for a drink. And it's about on par with the Canadian dollar now. So it's about 70, 68 cents American dollar so it is cheap despite it being a really oil rich country the oil has fallen in value so the country sort of doesn't seem to know if it's rich if it's poor or if it's regular or what's going on but um i don't know everyone was just so nice i spent lovely times with some lovely people and i'm really hoping i'll see them again i'm kind of it's weird some places you visit and you're fine if you don't go back other places you feel like it's a bit of home and you definitely want to come back again. And I did not think I would feel that way about Brunei, but I actually do. And it is 100% because of the people. No, 90% because of the people, 10% because of the, the curry. <laughs> so there you go. So, all right. Well, the next thing is hopefully this will work so I can record as I go more. But on to Bangkok. And I know I didn't talk too much about the concert I sang last night, but okay, it was great. It was a wonderful concert. I, I, there were a few hundred people watching, including a lot of ambassadors, diplomats, government officials. And I sang Canadian French songs, French French songs. I was on a stage with a fog machine, a light show, and a wonderful local pianist. And luckily no mosquitoes, because the mosquito bites I got the other day are making me a little crazy. And I'm glad I didn't get more. All right, so... I think the tour group going to Beijing just got here and they were allowed in the airport lobby and they're allowed here. So I'm going to sign off and more later. This is Melanie, and I am podcasting from the sparrow-infused gardens of Khartoum, Sudan. I have been here for two and a half days. I, I'm supposed to leave today, but I don't know if I'm actually going to leave today, and we'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> but Sudan, when I first decided to come here to sing, I... Um, I encountered a lot of people saying I was crazy and it was dangerous and look what's happening there, etc., etc. And I am not, sorry, Cupid, um, I'm not saying that that isn't completely true in some parts of Sudan, but Khartoum itself is a beautiful city for Africa. <laughs> I've been to several African cities and this one is 
absolutely fine. It is different from other Africa cities in that it is a religious country. It is a religious city, and there are more restrictions on women, yes. But I expected I would come here and it would essentially be a war zone. Like when, well, when I went to Algeria, it wasn't safe to leave the compound unescorted. And and there was sort of an air of anything might happen. And you could just, it didn't feel all that safe. It was interesting and I had a great time, but it didn't feel all that safe. Whereas here in Sudan, I've gone walking alone. I've gone eating alone. I drive around in a regular car. We've taken public transportation and it's fine. Sure, something could happen, but things aren't really happening here in the city at the moment. And you can hear how happy the birds are. It's actually kind of crazy to be in a city where there is absolutely no tourism. I mean, a major city where there's no tourism, where nobody's here to sightsee. Anyone who's here is either here to teach or here to... I mean, Western Westerners are here to teach and here to be diplomats, essentially, because since there are sanctions from both Canada and the United States against Sudan, there is no North American business here at all either, which just makes it a very, very interesting place to be. There is also no knitting. I just thought you should know. There is, however, crochet. I was in one of the markets, and there were women crocheting these prayer hats with what looked like acrylic. I'm not sure if there are sheep around here, but I haven't seen any. I don't suspect this is a sheep. It's more of a goat-like area than a sheep-like area. So it is probably imported from China or from India. And it, the colors being colors one would never find in nature, such as virulent orange or virulent yellow, I suspect that was not real wool. So what have I been doing here? Well, I've sung, you can hear my voice is so tired. I've sung several times. The first concert was at the Canadian Embassy for several invited diplomats and, and local dignitaries, and that was lovely. It was a French concert. Then I performed Opera Mouse in French at the French school here. There are various private schools. There's French private school, there's English. I think there's American and International at the two English private schools. So I performed Opera Mouse in French, and I did a PF. Edith Piaf Chacbrel workshop with one of the classes and the teachers there are largely from France, from Lyon or from Paris and then next day, which was yesterday I did Opera Mouse in English at the American school, which is ironic because although the teachers are American Americans posted over here are not allowed to bring their families at the moment and so there are no American children, <laughs> but it is the American school nonetheless and it was it's, it's interesting to see all the characters from books, childhood books. There's Spot the dog. There was all these other ones painted on the walls, and it was actually quite a lovely campus. So I performed there for the kids, which was really nice. It was outside, which kind of ruined up my voice, but that's okay. So I performed for the kids, and then I went to the university, the Akhfad Women's University in the city beside Khartoum. Khartoum is actually three cities that sort of one right beside another. And like New York and New Jersey, I suppose, if there wasn't a river. So I went to the Ahfad Women's University, and I did a master class there, which, you know, when I first went there, I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do. I, w I went there, and I was led into a room, and he said, you know, no singing. This is a lecture room. And I said, but I'm, I, I'm doing a, a music lecture, or I'm doing a master class. So we moved rooms. People kept coming. Things seem... I'm not sure how scheduling works here, because people just seem to wander in to places 
there's never any signs saying things start at a certain time, but eventually the classroom got pretty full and I did a master class with several of the students and working on vocal technique and microphone technique and song presentation technique. And I know looking at me visually, I don't look like somebody who has all that much wisdom to impart. However, I do. And I, I need to figure out how I can maybe dress differently or look harsher or something, something to look like the expert that I actually am in several fields, because I know I'm often underestimated, but actually I'm very good at what I do and modest, by the way, super modest. So after the masterclass, I performed a concert for the women there. Now, I wasn't sure if they'd be speaking French or if they'd be speaking English. I had prepared a bunch of French songs and then I went there and realized they did not, in fact, speak French. But I was doing it with backtracks and most of my English backtracks are on my old computer. So I emailed mom, but since I have basically no email here, I wasn't able to actually communicate back and forth with her. And mom looked, she looked so hard on the computer, but they were not on her computer. And so I ended up having to sing a couple Sophie Tucker songs, which are like kind of double entendre. And some of the French songs also were maybe about prostitutes a little bit. So um, unfortunately, the Canadian there understood my French, and I don't think he was all that impressed with my topic. However, the students, I don't know that they caught it, and considering the songs they sang in the masterclass, which were Beyonce songs and and Adele songs, I, I kind of think it's okay, but also I probably should have skipped those songs. But anyway, that was yesterday. This morning, right now, I'm sitting in the lovely garden, and I'm supposed to leave here. Oh, by the way, there's Nile. The Nile is not just in Egypt. There are two Niles here, and they meet here in Khartoum. It's pronounced Khartoum and not Khartoum, but they meet here. And the thing is, I'm supposed to leave today. But I went... I, I love just I do love it here. I but my I got here and I thought, what? I'm here for three days. That's not even enough. I want to see the country properly, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So I went to the Ethiopian Airlines office the day before yesterday in the afternoon. I spent two very frustrating hours trying to see if I could change my ticket. Now that that felt very Africa. So because I went in, I was the only woman there alone. But I, I went in, I waited, I waited, I waited. There was no sort of line system or number system, but eventually I ended up in the chair in front of the desk and the woman looked at me and she said, just a minute. And then she went away to pray for almost an hour. So I just sat there and sat there and sat there. And eventually she got back and said that it would be about a hundred dollars us to cancel my ticket and rebook it for a couple days from now. But, um, since America does not recognize Sudan in basically any way, American credit cards can't be used here, and I don't have the cash. So I said, okay, never mind, I won't change my ticket. I thought if it was free, I would do it, but okay, I won't change my ticket. But it seems that she canceled it accidentally. So I'm supposed to leave today, but I have no ticket. I phoned the call center last night in Washington. No, I started by phoning in Toronto, and the woman there had no idea. She said she couldn't look up my file. I don't believe her. I believe it's Ethiopian Airlines is a centralized major international airline. I believe that she could, in fact, access my ticket. And in fact, yes, she finally did. And then she said that it had been rejected by the credit card company, which it hadn't. And she kept asking, who verified your credit card? Who verified it? And I tried to explain that I phoned a certain agent in Washington to do this. This was actually, it took 
it was a bit of a fuss to actually book this ticket because you, you need to get your credit card verified by an agent. And to do that, you're supposed to go into an Ethiopian Airlines office, but they're only in Washington and I think Toronto and Los Angeles. And I was in Fresno at that point, which I guess I could have driven to Los Angeles, but I didn't. So I managed to do it over the phone with this lovely person who thankfully sent me a personalized email with a confirmation. So then I phoned the Washington call center. She was working. I spoke with her. She looked it up. She said, yes, it had in fact been canceled by the agent in Khartoum here in Sudan. And she said she would try to get it reinstated. And my question, of course, then was, when that doesn't work, what do I do? And her answer was, well, you'll just have to go into the airport and talk to them. She'll put a note on my file. So it's 9 o'clock this morning. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. I'm supposed to leave at 6.30. And I looked my ticket up to check in, and I still have no ticket. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So anyway, it's going to be an interesting adventure. Meanwhile, there are some really cute birds doing cute bird things here outside, and it's fun to watch them. noon on the same day as before, the day I'm supposed to leave Khartoum. Apparently looking online, my reservation still has not been fixed. I knew it wouldn't. As soon as she said, oh, I'll send an email and they'll take care of it. I knew it wouldn't be. It's, it, it wasn't going to be fixed that easily. So I was hoping to get out and see some of the city today, but no one's come around to take me out. Not that it's people's responsibility, but aside from walking around the neighborhood, which I did get out, I put on a head covering and I walked around, but it is something like 37 degrees and I did stand out quite a lot. And so I I'm just wasn't 100% comfortable running around too much. Plus it's really hot. Plus almost everything's closed and the imam just called people to prayer. So everything is going to be closed now for a while. There's an angry sparrow over there. You can hear him. He has little sparrow babies, I think, in a hole in the wall. And I put the little bread near the hole. I think that's why he's angry. I hope he doesn't abandon the babies because of that. But uh, I think he's gotten another guy to yell at me now. Now there's two male sparrows in different areas yelling at me. Oh, and there's the mom. Anyway, so I'm sparrow watching in Khartoum. That is what my day to see the city has sort of become. And it's relaxing. And to be honest, my voice is exhausted. I am vocally exhausted. I am exhausted. But I also don't really know what's going to happen today as far as leaving. In theory, if I stay any longer, I need to register at some office, which is closed today. So in theory, if I stay longer, well, in theory, if it's over three days, you're supposed to register and it has been three and a half days. So any longer, it should be okay. I hope I, I was told it would be okay, but, but any longer is probably not a good idea. So that will be more bureaucracy. I'm going to somehow have to deal with if, if the flight does get delayed. Plus I'm, I'm tired. Sorry, bird sex going on over there. Um, 
easily distracted by bird sex today. Um, that's how interesting my morning has been. But anyway, I am kind of wondering how this is going to end up, where I'm going to end up, if I'll be on a plane tonight. I will not fly for eight hours on Ethiopian Airlines in a middle seat. And I don't know if that's just me being really grumpy, but I got my seats and I had quite good seats and I've lost those since my reservation is gone. And I, I'm not above making a huge fuss about seat selection because I know that might seem like an unimportant thing considering I have no ticket to leave, but I am not sitting in a middle seat on a deodorant optional flight out of Ethiopia or to Ethiopia for that matter. So yeah. All right. I guess that's it for now. I was hoping the imam would start calling again so you could hear some of that, but he isn't. I guess all the prayers are broadcast at 6 a.m., but they're not all being broadcast now, or maybe they will be. That might have been a primary call, and there'll be more calling later. I wish these sparrows weren't so upset. Come on, guys. One of them looks a little like Colette. And no, sparrows don't all look the same. Definitely she isn't Colette, but she looks a little. She has a little bit of Colette's face. Anyway, um, that's it, I guess. I will check back. Who knows what's going to happen? But at this point, it's just kind of a whole lot of nothing. Interesting nothing, I suppose, because I'm here. But um, it would be nice if, if something... I mean, the whole point of staying longer was to get to see things, and I'm not... didn't see anything today so I'm tired. Alright, that's it I guess. It's neat and it's sweet, it's a ding dong treat. Little socks for little feet. With your knitting all day long. You know, knitting's friendly and knitting's fun. Knitting's good for everyone and that is why we sing this knitting song. everyone and thank you for listening to this episode of the Savvy Girls podcast. This was travel episode 1 of 2 and if you'd like to reach me, well I'm still overseas, but I can be reached at melanie@savvygirls.ca at or on Facebook Savvy Girls Pcast. No. No, Twitter Savvy Girls Pcast, Facebook Savvy Girls Podcast and also I think there's something else. Let's see. Facebook Oh, Ravelry. Yep. Savvy Girl Melanie. And okay, so tune in for next time for part two of travel adventures. Yeah. And until then, tend to your knitting, kitten.